0: listening to a podcast from St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada, located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. May only truth be spoken and only truth received. Amen. Tonight we mark the Feast of All Saints, and as part of that we're celebrating the baptism of three people, Annalise, Noah, and Dennis. Now, Noah and Dennis have made this decision for themselves. Well, it is Annalisa's parents, Brian and Kyla, who are making these baptismal commitments on her behalf, commitments that she will one day need to lay hold of for her own self. Regardless, though, of whether it's adults or a baby, what we're doing is naming these three as numbered amongst the saints. It's a rather bold thing to do, isn't it? As I say pretty much every year, the Feast of All Saints isn't about having one big festal day for all of the well-known big league stained glass saints, but rather it celebrates the lives of all of God's saints, known and unknown, The Greek word in the New Testament that we translate as saint is hagios, holy one. Paul uses it for all of the members of the body of Christ. So in this evening's reading from Ephesians, he writes that he has heard of that community's love for all the saints. By that he means their love for all people who dare to call themselves Christians. Same with his instruction to the Christians in Rome that they contribute to the needs of the saints. Take care of the needs of others who are walking this path wherever they might be, he's saying. But to this, Paul adds, and extend hospitality to strangers, which is a reminder that it isn't quite enough just to take care of our own. Saint. Holy One. The daunting words, really, like, who, me? And then, this year, the lectionary for All Saints Day lands this section from the Gospel according to Luke on our laps, and you think, whoa, that bar has just got raised rather high. Love your enemies, Jesus says. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. And even before Jesus goes there, he, he talks about how blessed you are when people hate you or exclude you or revile you or defame you on account of the Son of Man, on account of being a part of the Jesus movement. Why in heaven's name are we signing up for this? That's what the disciples might have been thinking when Jesus first spoke those words. In the structuring of Luke's narrative... These teachings follow right on the heels of the calling of the twelve, and the words seem particularly meant for them. Then he looked up at his disciples, and he said, and in he goes, Blessed are you who are poor, who are hungry, who weep, who are excluded and reviled, not the ones we conventionally think of as being particularly blessed, right? Right? And then come four corresponding woes. Woe to you who are rich, who have full stomachs, who are laughing, who have people all around them speaking well of them. But aren't those the very people you conventionally think of as being blessed? This is all upside down, Jesus. The people you're saying are blessed are... Those are the ones with all the trouble and the wounds. And the ones you say should look out, those are the ones we normally think of as having it all right, precisely. Or more accurately, it's the world that's upside down, and Jesus is showing something of what it looks like when it's being put right side up again. In this, he stands very much in the line with the prophetic tradition, right, of the Hebrew Scriptures, There's something amiss in the world. There's a kind of a cancer that is set in when you look around and you see on the one hand this poverty, all of this hunger, all of these tears of sorrow, and on the other hand, people who are rich, full, and laughing in utter indifference. People slapping them on the back, congratulating them for their successes how well they're doing, thinking them blessed in their comfortable lives. This is where the prophets, and Jesus too in that line, would say that such indifference is actually a violation of what God calls people to be. It's a powerful theme that runs right through Luke's gospel. It actually starts in the first chapter with the Magnificat, or Mary's song, in which Mary sings that through Jesus, who she is just still carrying in her womb, through Jesus, God has already brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. All the way through Luke's gospel, you see that ring again and again. These strange blessings in this gospel are, as G.B. Caird puts it, not merely a promise... But also an invitation. An invitation to dare to see the world as God wishes it to be seen. But What does that look like in real terms? What what sort of a world does God wish for us? What kind of people does God call us to be? How do you live that? And now Jesus goes into absolutely practical matters. I say to you, listen. Remember, he's talking to those 12 particularly newly called, freshly minted, enthusiastic disciples. I call you that listen, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other one as well. From anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you, and if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Now, Dennis and Noah, as you sit there, you might be thinking, you know, I don't know that I can do that. I mean, the standard's kind of high. Jamie, you didn't really point this out when we were talking about this baptism. Actually, maybe many of you are sitting there thinking the same thing, like, Who can pull this off? St. Francis of Assisi, Mother Teresa, but but us? Here I think N.T. Wright offers a crucial insight when he says that Jesus' point was not to provide his followers with a new rule book. The point was to inculcate and illustrate an attitude of heart a lightness of spirit in the face of all that the world can throw at you. At the center of it, the thing that motivates and gives color to the whole, you are to be like this because that's what God is like. See, those teachings, love your enemy, turn the other cheek, those teachings are not meant to be an enormous burden or a set of near-crushing demands that we have to satisfy in order to be accepted by God. No. Again, from Bishop Wright, the kingdom that Jesus preached and lived was all about a glorious, uproarious, absurd generosity. A glorious, uproarious, absurd generosity. Think of the best thing you can do for that worst person and go ahead and do it. Think of what you'd really like someone to do for you and do it for them. Think of the people to whom you are tempted to be nasty and lavish generosity on them instead. These instructions have a fresh spring-like quality. A fresh, spring-like quality, Bishop Wright calls them, and I think he's right. Or at least they should have that, so long as they aren't wielded in a way that simply turns them into another set of laws. Catch the spirit of what Jesus is calling out of us catch the possibility, catch the sense of how freeing it can be to live in the light of God's glorious, uproarious, absurd generosity. And then do it. Then and only then, once you've caught that, you've caught the light and the wildness in it, only then does it make any sense at all to name Annalise and Dennis and Noah and me and you, all of us, as being numbered among the saints, God's holy ones. It isn't on account of how well we've pulled off holiness, but rather because we've been called holy, absurdly called holy, justified, and beloved of God. Every Sunday night when I stand at the communion table and offer the Eucharistic prayer, I pray these words. I say, in fulfillment of your will, he stretched out his hands in suffering to bring release to those who place their hope in you, and so he won for you this holy people. And as I say this holy people, I always look up and I see all of you I know so many of your stories. I know the burdens some of you carry, the things some of you struggle with, the sorrows some of you bear. I know some struggle with addiction, with deep doubt, with crippling hurts, with failed relationships and lost hopes. And still, I look at you and I get to name you God's holy people because we have been named that and invited in our oftentimes halting ways to live into that because God is like that. Now let's go baptize us some saints. You've been listening to a St. Benedict's Table podcast. For more information on our church or to provide support for our online work, Visit us at Saint